History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian, is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Welcome to our show today. The title of today's show is, They Are Coming After Your Gas Stoves, Your Cars, and Your Suburban Property, Not to Mention Your Children. And who is they? Well, anybody who's been paying attention in recent times has heard of the World Economic Forum, the so-called Great Reset, and the Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 that these people push. So one positive thing that's come out of this COVID debacle is that more and more people are becoming aware of these global elitists in this and other organizations and their nefarious agenda. They want to take control of the world's population. That's what they're working towards all the time. But the more people become aware of it, the less they can get away with their secret plans. They're not secret anymore. They're out there. People can access them. You just have to look at their websites and their their statements that they make. So here to talk more about this topic is our guest today, pastor, ministry leader, and the author of 11 books, J.B. Hickson. He's the founder and president of Not By Works Ministries, and he has recently come out with this second volume of his most recent book, Spirit of the Antichrist. So welcome to our show today, Pastor Hickson. Hey, great to be with you, Kathleen. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, these elitists are eugenicists. Let's start out with that. As we talked about last time, you know, we reviewed about eugenics and and how they are they they actually convince themselves that they're doing something good, and that's the, the danger of this kind of ideology. They think that they're doing something good by actually killing people or reducing the population, and of course, they always go under go under the guise of doing these things. Uh, for the public good. So what are some of the ways that they're trying to reduce or control the population? I know that's a big question. Let's just say what some of the ways that they're trying to reduce the population. Yeah, so you're exactly right. That It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and Satan's love of death, because you have to remember these people are working at the behest of Satan. Uh, not everyone involved in the Luciferian conspiracy is aware of its satanic uh, origins, but certainly the top tier are the ones that are getting their marching orders directly from uh, Lucifer. That's why they call themselves Luciferians, and that's their term. Of course, it's a biblical term, Isaiah 14, uh, but uh, they, for centuries, have uh, worshipped Lucifer. They consider him to be the hero in the Garden of Eden account, and God is the uh, enemy. God is the antagonist. So uh, Satan, of course, told Adam and Eve that they would not die, but as you said, Everything they say is just the opposite. You know, they make it out to be good, but really it's uh, for evil, because God had told Adam and Eve, you will not surely die. And so these uh, Luciferians absolutely 
uh, love death. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 8 that all those who hate me love death. All those who hate God, that is, love death. David tells us in Psalm 37 that the wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. And so uh, they're using a number of different means, uh, technology, uh, biology. They want to see this planet reduced to 500 million people because they consider this their playground. And, uh, you know, like a, a family that goes to a theme park, uh, you're going to enjoy it much more if you have, you know, just your family there and you can ride the rides and, and do everything that's fun without standing in line. From their perspective, uh, the rest of us are just useless breathers taking up space and they want to get us out of the way. Um, and then there's also a kind of a satanic component to it as well, as I've talked about in my Spirit of the Antichrist books. Um, and that is that, you know, they, they love blood. They see power and energy in blood. And, you know, they, they especially target innocent people like the unborn and children because uh, mankind is God's highest pinnacle of creation. We're the crown jewel. We're the only ones to whom God said, you're made in my image. And so in attacking humanity, uh, Satan and his uh, human counterparts are seeking to, to really, uh, you know, attack God directly. Well, you know, your your volume two, yeah. Spirit of the Antichrist, volume two, it's, it's a wonderful book that we recommend, by the way. Your very first chapter, and it's got a lot of information, is, again, on the World Economic Forum. You touched on this in volume one, but you have more detail in volume two. So tell us some, give us a little, just a brief history and structure of the World Economic Forum. I think you mentioned even an association between Klaus Schwab and old Henry Kissinger. Yeah, no question. Yeah, so the official narrative uh, is that the World Economic Forum was launched as an offshoot of the Club of Rome, and that's a group that was founded by Aurelio Pecci, David Rockefeller, and Alexander King in 1968. Uh, It was was launched at a meeting held at a home owned by the Rockefeller family, Uh, and their stated goal uh, was to uh, establish a one-world government. Uh, Bill Cooper, in his famous book, Behold a Pale Horse, make, said that uh, Aurelio Pecci made it clear that the goal of the, the organization was to take control of the world and, quote, reduce the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. Oh, so, wow. uh, you know, they want to increase the death rate, quote, unquote. Um, but the real story, as is so often the case, is slightly different. The reality is the CIA and Henry Kissinger, as you mentioned, played a role in the launch of the World Economic Forum. It was funded by a Harvard program that was headed up by Henry Kissinger uh, and pushed to fruition by John Kenneth Galbraith, the the real uh, Dr. Strangelove. Uh, Herman Kahn also had a a place, uh, you know, a role in this. But essentially, as is often the case, the top-tier Luciferian elites recruit others that are up and coming, and they uh, saw Klaus Schwab as one of those, and they uh, tapped him to kind of be the, at the helm of this uh, Luciferian organization, the World Economic Forum. Wow, and they do they do try to reduce the population through so many means: abortion, attacking the family, women working for that matter, getting them out of the home. The LGBT uh, agenda. The LGBT agenda, yeah. the vaccines, and you had a whole chapter on that in your book, and uh, just everything they can do to keep people from forming families and reproducing and and actually 
you know, euthanasia, all the things to do with death. It's incredible. But I want to I want to ask you about the, you know, they just had, as you well know, they just had their annual meeting in Davos, meaning the World Economic Forum. Again, these corporate titans and political titans meeting together, and they what they talk about a lot is public-private partnerships. But in reality, what it is is global corporations dominating the governments, dominating elected officials. And isn't this a lot like what uh, Benito Mussolini had in Italy? I think we called that fascism. And by the way, Adolf Hitler, they didn't abolish the big corporations in Italy or Germany, but they made them kind of one with the government. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the big uh, hypocrisy in the fake left-right paradigm that we see in our own country. You know, conservative Republicans are all up in arms over welfare, but yet what we do on the, the right is uh, corporate welfare. You know, they, they don't like it when you bail out the poor, indigent, unwed mother, but they're happy to bail out the corporate, you know, billionaire companies like Bank of America or the automakers or, you know, whoever it may be. So it's really the same principle, the same message, uh, just uh, intentionally geared uh, toward two different audiences. But the end result is the same. It's it's whether it's individual fascism or corporate fascism, it's, it's exactly the same. Well, and these banks and these big corporations pay money to the governments. They loan them money. They're in debt to them. So then they have to do their bidding. And it seems to me that, you know, if you look at how we're governed now, I mean, so much of the time, this explains you get this policy coming down from, you know, from top down. I mean, it, it explains things like Obamacare. The Congress yeah. voted on it without even reading it. It explains the COVID response. It was also practiced and coordinated. They decide in the upper level Luciferian boardrooms uh, that they want to get rid of gas cars or whatever they want. Gas stoves. Gas stoves. They want to take all, and then that's why we're discussing this. They want to take our gas stoves, our cars, our suburban property. Uh, they just decide on an edict, like Gavin Newsom decides, no gas cars in California by 2035. And then they they sneakily implement it. For instance, the mileage tax here in San Diego, they're trying to sneak that in without people knowing that it's actually going in. They, they double talk and say, no, it's not going in. And then they, it's still in the policy plan of SANDAG, things like this. So, uh, just, you know, just kind of talk, on that, talk yeah, on that a little bit, this the, the, different kind of governing where it's not – yeah. Really, the people we elect that are really making the ultimate decisions. They're in debt to these upper-level people, not the actual common people. Yeah, not only are they in debt to them, but they're control, completely controlled by them. And that's that's the thing people need to understand. And by the way, if you read uh, in my books, you, you can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can see the chapter titles and read the entire preface. But you'll notice I, I talk about really just what a small world it is and how there's so much overlap between the boards of all of these uh, big uh, co corporate conglomerations. Uh, but the reality is 
uh, they're placed there. And, and the same thing is true of politicians. We don't have elections. We have selections. And for many decades now, and I've documented this in, in both volumes, but particularly volume two, uh, the elections have been controlled, and they make us think that we have a choice and we, and we have a vote. But in reality, through the digital vote tabulation machines, they make sure that their man or woman in, is in place. And so it really becomes much easier than one might think to to pull off some of these things like you just uh, you know rattled off with Obamacare and COVID. COVID, for example, in Chapter 9 of Volume 1, I have 50 pages with smoking gun evidence that COVID – a pandemic was planned 22 years in advance and rolled out right on cue with the, exactly the person they wanted at the helm to make sure that everybody would line up and, and comply and put on the masks and take the gene editing bioinjection. And of course, now, uh, you know, many, many doctors uh, who originally uh, were buying into the lie have come out and admitted that the whole thing is extremely dangerous. It's killing people. Uh, but there were hundreds of thousands of them right from the get-go. I cite them in the book all over the world that didn't buy the lie, and they, they warned and cautioned, uh, and, and many of them lost their licenses because of it, against taking the gene-altering bioinjection. So uh, it's it's actually a, a full-spectrum planetary control, and it's a lot easier to do that uh, with key uh, Luciferian elites placed in key sectors than, than people might think. And another thing I want to touch on, which is uh, addressed in your book, is the changing of language. They know how powerful language is. For example, the language of the Bible versus the language of these global elites. They take terms that are already, you know, uh, understood. A lot of them are actually taking from Christian morals and perverting them to mean something totally different so they take something like black lives matter like how can you disagree with that or sustainable development well who want no i want unsustainable development it's really orwellian who can be against that but then what's behind it and the plans to implement it and the language that goes along with it is bad stuff and then um, we saw that – I just want to finish making this point about this video we saw about these changing of the language and propaganda techniques. You touch that in your book and this other video we recently saw also out of the U.K. The second point they made is discrediting anyone who talks against it, racists, anti-vaxxers, polluters, conspiracy theorists. You think they might use that one? And then the final one, and I wasn't as aware of this, J.B., is – Shifting the whole discussion of small details like the masking, not allowed to be debated whether masks work or not, or all the previous medical research that showed that they don't for those purposes. Instead, diverting the conversation to what sort of masks should we wear, how socially distant should we be, and never allowing debate on the really important aspects of it. So it's kind of like obey and use our language. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's an excellent summary. Uh, in, in academia, we call that deconstructionism. It's essentially stripping words of their inherent meaning and you know manipulating words so that it's all about perception and not uh, reality. But a lot of this uh, is, again, by design. It goes back to uh, the turn of the 20th century. And uh, by the mid-20th century, a guy by the name of Edward Bernays, who was an Austrian-American leader, he had been tapped by the elite in America uh, to help them recast their image. And so uh, he's known as the father of public relations. Life magazine uh, had him as one of the 20th 
you know, uh, one of the most 100 influential Americans in the 20th century. And he said, quote, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. And those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. And his fingerprints are all over what we have commonly today and accept as common tradition in America. For example, he's the one that suggested we change our military department from the Department of War to the Department of Defense, right? A subtle difference. Yeah, right. Makes it, makes it sound like we're here just for defense, when in reality, you know, we're the elites that control many branches of our uh, government and sectors of our uh, military are sending out uh, military all over the world for nefarious reasons. You know, I remember a Geraldo Rivera segment after uh, uh, the Gulf War, uh, in the first Gulf War, in which he was sitting there uh, talking to a general on the fields in Afghanistan. And the general says, yeah, we're here with our military to guard the poppy fields so that the planes can pick up the poppy seeds and take them back into America to turn them into heroin. And then, then 20 years later, we have a heroin epidemic. So, I mean, that's just one example. But you're exactly right. They love to twist words. They love to, you know, shift the discussion and, and sort of assume that everyone's okay with what's happening rather than deal with the crux of the matter. And the latest shift that they're doing is calling climate lockdowns or 15-minute cities where you can't go anywhere outside of the 15 minutes from your home. They're calling that traffic-free neighborhoods. And and who yeah. can argue with that? Of course you want a traffic-free neighborhood, but they don't let you discover that you're not going to be able to use your car to go across town. Uh, so Coercion. Coercion is the operative, uh, not the operative word. Coercion is actually, the operative principle that we all need to be. Anything that requires coercion is probably not ultimately for our own good. Right. Unless, we're, unless we're a little kid that doesn't know anything. If you have to use coercion to force adults with their every move, you're probably not acting in their best but interest. But they're not letting you know that it's coercion. They just right. sell you on this idea that isn't really true and then you, it's too yeah, late well, love right. never works coercively that's that's the way you know god's word teaches love is is uh you know not coercive it's a free and god doesn't force people to believe the gospel he doesn't force people to obey as believers we have the holy spirit we should uh walk after the spirit not after the flesh but forced love is no love at all and that's exactly what coercion is and it's uh it's very very dangerous you know they they claim that it's you have the choice. For example, over in India with the Adhar system, uh, which is now essentially required. It's not technically required, but you, you have to have that national ID card in India to pay your taxes. And if you don't pay your taxes, you'll go to jail. So what are you going to do? You have to have it. It's kind of like in America. You have to wear a mask if you want to shop, you know, back during the pandemic. Right. Or you have to have a, a an injection if you want to keep your job. So they're claiming that they give you free choice, but they're making it so that you would suffer immensely if you don't choose what they want you to choose. Absolutely. I want to touch on, again, your chapter on the World Economic Forum. You describe or you um, list who's on the board of directors. It's usually when you're looking at a corporation, by the way, or any organization, it's really important to know who are the board of directors. Actually, they can hire and fire somebody at the head, like Klaus Schwab. So, what, who's on the board of the WEF, and why is that important? 
Yeah, it's it's very important because these are the same people who then, uh, you know, they serve on the board of the World Economic Forum, which is a paid position usually, but then they also have their day job, if you will, which is to run some of these uh, multinational companies. So you've got uh, you know, the director general of the World Trade Organization. You've got the director of the International Monetary Fund. You've got the president of MIT, for example. You've got uh, investment bankers. You've got central bank presidents like Christine Lagarde, who's the European central bank president. Uh, you've got co- private company owners like uh, the CEO of Nestle or the CEO of uh, Accenture. It used to be called, uh, 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 I can't remember, one of the big six accounting right. uh, firms, Anderson right. Consulting, it used to be called. Uh, Siemens, a Carlisle Group, um, even the International Committee of the Red Cross is on there. That could come in handy when you're you know, creating a false flag national or natural disaster and you want to make sure that you control how the response is. Even otherwise benign companies like Salesforce, which a lot of big corporations that have sales departments use the software Salesforce to manage their sales staff. Uh, their CEO is on the board of the World Economic Forum. We, we use Salesforce not- at our company. We use Salesforce <laughs> at our company before I knew about them. And they have one of the highest ESG scores, which we don't have time to really get into that on this episode. But they have one of the very highest ESG scores, scores which means they're one of the most woke companies in the United States. So it doesn't surprise me. They're involved with the WEF, but I want to pivot. Let, wait, let's, okay. let's not forget that Al Gore is on the board Al of the WEF, who wrote the book, The Inconvenient Truth, the whole thing about climate change. He's the main author of it. He's on the board of the WEF, and he's made billions of dollars from it. One other point that I think we need to be aware of, we have mentioned it before, but speaking of banking and people like Christine Lagarde, central bank digital currency, which Kathleen calls controllable dollars because it's really a way to track everything we spend abolish cash and where you can track everything you spend of course and where you can have control directly electronically over everyone's cash reserves which are not really non-cash cash reserves you have control over everything this kind of reminds me of something uh, from a biblical how do you see this from a biblical perspective yeah, I've, I've talked a lot about CBDCs. In fact, I just spoke about it at the Orlando Prophecy Summit this uh, weekend uh, in Orlando. And it comes right out of Romans 13, where verses 16 and 17 talk about how no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark and the name of the beast. So uh, what they want to roll out is a digital ID system that will track absolutely everything. It'll be based on your carbon footprint, your social credit score, your medical status, even things like your water usage. But it really is a tool of total enslavement. And I, I played a clip at my conference uh, this weekend uh, by uh, a guy at the World Economic Forum speaking, Michael Evans, he's the president of the Alibaba Group, which is a multinational Chinese technology company, in which he plainly stated uh, that you know the individual carbon footprint tracker is coming soon to a digital ID near you. And uh, so this is, you're going to be tokenizing everything, where everything you do will be tracked. Uh, the Uh, The CBDC director for the Bank of England, Tom Mutton, said, quote, there could be some socially beneficial outcomes from CBDCs, such as preventing activity which is seen to be socially harmful in some way. Well, who gets to decide what's socially harmful? You know, if you take a stand against LGBT and the gender surrender movement, which I talk about in Chapter 13 of Volume 2, if you take a stand against that morally, 
they may say that's socially unacceptable. So they're going to just turn your money off. And you know, if they don't, if they don't want you to be able to use your money more than five miles from your home, your money's going to turn off, and you won't be able to to use it. So CBDCs are definitely a huge. Uh, component of their, you know, one world control grid that they're trying to implement. So we need to expose that and get people to uh, resist it. So on our show, and we're almost out of time, we always talk about what people can do to to stand against this agenda, to put on the whole armor of God against it. And I'm just going to list a few things that people can do real quickly. Keep praying, join a regular prayer group, have nothing to do with works of darkness. Instead, expose them. Do not comply with biosurveillance. Do not comply with digital money. Use cash instead and, and go to smaller, more uh, local banks. And clean your investments of, so we don't, we're not funding these big corporations. There's companies that will help you clean out your investments, so you're not funding them through your uh, stock market investments. You can vote with your dollar and support small companies and responsible people with your values. Vote in elections, even though, uh, and, and help with election integrity so we can restore our voting system. Get involved locally. Show, it, show up at school boards and city council meetings and county supervisor meetings. And of, most important of all, build up the church and evangelize. So we're kind of out of time. Thank you for being with us so much today. We're so thankful, JB. We will be talking with you again next week. We're really privileged to do that. Uh, One last word before we close. Yeah, thanks. It was my pleasure to be with you. Look forward to talking next week. Remember to go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can learn all about the topics we discussed. And I agree completely with your summary there at the end of what we can do to try to hold off this uh, evil agenda. See you next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. 